This is Everything with Allie Levine, hosted by Hollywood mom, celebrity stylist, influencer, and Bravo reality star, Allie Levine. On this podcast, you'll get a mix of, well, literally everything, from motherhood to fashion, lifestyle to spiritual well-being, all real and raw. Allie interviews celebrities, experts, influencers, entrepreneurs, and so much more. Tune in weekly to be inspired, empowered, and entertained. Hi, loves. Welcome back to Strip Down. So pumped for today's episode. I have an incredible woman and mother and just overall badass in the field. I'm so excited to have her on my show today. I have Dr. Liv of Live Better. She, since the age of three, Olivia has been displaying her gifts of precognition, medical insight, and quantum intuition. Growing up on a rural farm in the Northeast, her connection with nature led her to understand the connection between all living things. This led her to pursue a passion for healing and through thorough degree in nature, natural medicine, she was able to combine her intuitive abilities and medical knowledge to help people in a way never done before. For over 30 years, she has been renowned as the natural oracle. You can gaze upon her as an individual for that first time who knows their innermost truths. She just knows herself. She is that link between worlds as the beginning of everything and the endless of nothing. And she is just an expert in so many things like holistic health, immune system, gut health, you know, just holistic beauty, empowerment. There's so much to her, and that's why she's known as, you know, Dr. Liv of Live Better. Dr. Liv, welcome to my show. So excited to have you. Thank you so much for having me, Allie. It's a pleasure, and I'm so excited to be here. Yes, I love everything about you and what you're doing <laughs> and just like, and, you know, your message to the world. I just, I love it all. I just think it's so beautiful and incredible and you know and you're a mom on top of all that it, you know it's just it, it's a, so inspiring so before I kind of ask my questions I want you to share kind of how you got into this um and you know where your journey started because like you know your your intro says it's you know you've been into this at such a young age but you also grew up on like such a you know rural um farm and lifestyle I'm so curious kind of how this all came together so please share how this all started yeah, so it's been a pretty wild ride. Um, and I know that in life, we're supposed to feel like every year we get older and every year, you know, we get a little bit more seasoned. But in my life, my experience has been that every year I feel younger and I feel more interested and I feel more excited and alive. And, um, you know, I, I always share with people that for me, when I sit with someone, whether it be, you know, a client or somebody that I'm doing a one-on-one -on -one session with or coaching, um, you know, it, it never appears the same. So I don't ever remember not having this ability. I don't ever remember not looking at someone and seeing what was wrong with them. I don't ever remember not tapping into someone's energy and hearing and seeing things like scenes from a movie and knowing things about their life. Um, you know, so, so it's been an adaptation. I know that a lot of people in the intuitive world or people that are kind of channeled in, they talk about, you know, a buildup or a crescendo or coming into their awakening. But for me, it was like I was born and I never kind of had a choice. And it was just 
full steam ahead. It did, however, take a lot of um, self-teaching in order to control it so that I'm not always quote unquote on. I'm not, you know, giving someone messages about their health or about, you know, uh, their spirituality while we're reaching for the same cantaloupe in a grocery store. That's not, that's not how mine works, (laughs) which is great because I, I can appreciate how overwhelming that must be, but I've become pretty disciplined in being able to, you know, use it for the purposes that I need to, and then being able to kind of live a, a normal life. Otherwise, you know, I, I have three kids. Um, I live in Maine, in the southern part of Maine, but it's still pretty rural. Um, and I did. I grew up on a horse farm in a town with a population of about a thousand people, um, no stoplights um, and one gas station. So it was a really um, evolutionary experience coming from a place where who I was innately wasn't necessarily automatically accepted. But that one thing that was, was nature. And I was so fortunate to grow up in a state and in an area that was so abundant in just the biology and everything that I saw around me. And so there were moments growing up where, you know, I felt like my classmates or, you know, especially as I got to grow into a teenager, people just were not seeing what I was seeing. They were not hearing what I was hearing. Um, And so I spent a lot of time outside. I spent a lot of time in nature and sort of channeling into that helped me to follow this thread of how everything's interconnected and the benefits of, of what nature can do for us. And that it, that it is like our intuition, that's really our static state and everything else is just kind of labels and narratives that we put on ourselves. A static state. Explain that. I love the way you just phrased it, but I've never kind of heard it that way before. Yeah. So static state is how I refer to, you know, our basis. It is, you know, our, our most powerful position. So it's, if you think about quantum physics, it's when all of those atoms are sort of vibrating on the same wavelength and you see that um, on television or in experiments and, and everything's in this static state of sort of holding. And by, by scientific terms, that wouldn't necessarily be considered a, a mass or a solid, but it is the influence of the waves around us. So it's the influence of the world around us, but finding our most solid state in that. Okay. That's so interesting, but it makes a lot of sense um, in connecting to you and who you are. Yeah. So it's, you know, I, I think for me, it can become difficult to, um, or it has been difficult in the past, I should say, to educate people on the things that I'm seeing that are going to be practiced in medicine in five years or in 10 years, or even what they can't see about themselves. But in the same influence as the static state, it's really not education. It's helping us all remember what we already know. And I truly believe that we all remember that static solid state of our most rooted, our most grounded, our most perfect version of ourselves, whatever that means to us. And I just help people remember that physically, emotionally, mentally. So you say you've kind of felt this and been connected like this kind of from the beginning, you can't even remember when you weren't. So that being said, now, obviously, fast forward so many years later, and you're doing this work and you're working with everyone. Where do you find that you I guess, um, 
are able to, whether it be remotely or in person or whatever it may be, um, how you're able to help people do this work as you obviously are doing, have have done for yourself and continue to do. Well, I think that, you know, especially in a world of COVID and quarantines and, and all of, you know, the other things that are happening around us that can seem really chaotic. I think that the time for people to heal is really been given to us. And I was having this conversation the other day with someone about the fact that I really think that COVID is this amazing gift because nothing else in this world on this planet could have paused everyone and made every human being take pause, whether it was for four weeks or, you know, a week or, or three days, it doesn't matter. There's nothing else political, geographical, you know, cultural, nothing could have made us do this. And it's really as if the universe has sort of given us this opportunity to say, do you like your life? Do you like how you feel in your body? Do you like how you feel living your life? And for a lot of people that has really invited a deeper discussion into, well, no, I don't like this. I do want to be healthier. I do want to reach for this. And I think it's a beautiful, beautiful evolution that I see. I've been working with clients remotely since far before COVID. Um, so, so not much changes in my day to day, but I find that the message and the platform is of a quality that people are really more ready to hear and to listen to and to ask for than ever before. I love that you said that about it being a blessing and how this time can be seen and also what you can do in this time. Because I think that obviously uh, we're all aware that, that it's so hard and that, you know, it is heavy and it's not a normal time, obviously. And, you know, nobody could have prepared us for this. Nobody could have, you know, um, really, even if someone told you this was going to happen, you'd be like, okay, you're crazy. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, you know, there really was no um, preparation for it or anything like that. But I agree with you. I think there is such a blessing in this time. And there is such a gift in learning and everything that, you know, we have truly um, been going through at this time and growing and evolving. And how, you know, you think you said you can really evaluate, like, what do I like? And what don't I like? And, you know, what's this? And what's that? And all those things that like, usually, we just don't have the time to do because we're on autopilot. Like, I know, myself completely like I never have time just to like think about like oh what am I gonna say today on my social media or what am I wanting to write about or what am I wanting to work on and you know these just different little questions even in my own business or even in my own life of like how do I want to schedule things better how do I want to do this and I wasn't able to do any of those things until this happened and it was like everything was shut down and at first I'm not gonna lie i bought it. And I was like, Oh my gosh, what else can I do? How can I do this? How can I do that? And then when I finally Mm -hmm. let go and started like leaning into that pause and really just leaning into the stillness and the slowness, I started really finding other things about myself and learning and being able to like schedule things better and not feel so overwhelmed and take things, you know, one thing at a time and not 10 things at a time. And I just think it's a really good point that you made because I think still some people are still struggling with the way things are right now because things obviously aren't a hundred percent back to our normal. And I think that people are still struggling. I've had many people message me, you know, on my social media and everything and say like, Oh, it's really hard for me right now. I just feel like I can't do anything. 
I, you know, I feel like I'm not able to have an idea of what my schedule is. And it's like, I understand that things are very hard, but at the same time, like you said, I think it's a really good time to be able to go within and really work on yourself and work on like, what do I want my life to look like? And what do I want to cultivate? And what do I want to, you know, maybe bring to myself? Or what do I want to change? And so my question to you would be for those that are struggling and are kind of, you know, sitting in these questions, what's your advice for them? And like, you know, how do you handle clients like this? As I'm sure you have questions like this. That's a great question. So the most important thing, you know, that, that I need to just assure everybody about is even though I was born with these abilities and I, and I should have, you know, all of the answers for me, um, I'm also a person living this experience. So when I work with someone, I not only add in what I'm getting, what I'm receiving from a multitude of sources, but my medical knowledge and plus my human experience. Um, and so one of the things that I've learned just throughout my own life and coming to the place that I am, um, you know, and becoming a mother and, and sort of being in this space of working remote before, before anybody else was. And, and, and I think in some ways, um, being so hyper vigilant and hyper focused about how does my life feel? Um, I do think that I can look back now and, and see the struggle that a lot of people are experiencing because it's not easy to, to sort of have your life and have your trajectory flipped upside down. But the, the number one thing that I would share is that you can look back at how your life was, your schedule, your career, your relationships, and all day long, we can try and rearrange that and we can try and rebuild that. But the reality is that time goes on and that no matter how many times we look at the past, we can't change it. But the one thing you have control of is how do you adapt and how do you take that experience and make something of that and sort of transmute that into something that fuels you instead of hinders you. So number one is the surrender. It's not about relinquishing total control. It's not about, you know, um, feeling ecstatic that a lot of the life that we knew is no longer looking the same. Um, for myself, I was commenting to a girlfriend that even the act of kind of like going out to eat now is, is, is lost a little bit of its shine just because um, it, it feels very eerie. And I'm sure that that will change and that that will pass. But I think that we have all been through sort of an energetically traumatic experience, one that isn't over. Um, and so like any trauma, I think that the key to rolling with that and to surviving trauma is to sort of rearrange the narrative. You can argue for your strengths or your limitations. I prefer to look at it in a way that there is something from this situation. I am alive on this earth at this time for a reason. And there's a greater version of probably what some higher perspective of myself knows is the right schedule for me to have or the right, you know, circle of people for me to be around or the right way I'm living my life. So you kind of got to get out of the way of that because we can really throw a lot of roadblocks into our life if we allow just our brain instead of our soul to kind of navigate. And I do think that the more that we can surrender to that soul compass and just reaching for things that bring us comfort and, and doing. Absolutely. You know, and um, as, as I shared with you guys, you know, the waves of 
the electromagnetic field and the energy that's measured by the heart is five times more powerful than that of the human brain. So clearly, it's not just about even what we're thinking, it's about how we feel about what we're thinking. And so that emotional quality of how you feel really makes a difference, much more so than than even what you're thinking about. And I've said for a long time that, you know, we can tape up all the positive mantras we want in front of our mirrors, and we can recite the same, you know, verses of positivity over and over again. But until we emotionally connect and plug into that and feel what we're saying and feel what we're pumping into ourselves, then it's kind of all for naught or it's, it's at the very least a much more lessened effect. Um, And so we really have to link up the emotion. And the great part about that is that it's such an emotionally charged time right now in our country and in the world. So we have this reservoir of chaotic and, and sometimes aggressive and frustrated emotions, but we can really channel that into something much more positive. And again, if not positive, at least neutral and from neutrality and from neutralizing that, that negative charge or that trigger, we can then transform it bit by bit and kind of chisel away at that. Yeah. Well, and can I just say, I love, um, I totally agree with what you said about like when you're saying these affirmations, you're, you know, taping up, you know, different words, you know, in front of you or your journal, whatever you're doing, if you don't really believe it and you don't really connect to it, it's so true. Nothing's going to happen. I remember like years ago when I first kind of started hearing about, you know, quote unquote manifesting and doing all these things and then this will happen and that'll happen. I remember like, I would like be like, oh, okay, well, that sounds easy enough. And I would like sit there and like write things down or I'd read something that was a positive affirmation and say it a couple of times and like nothing would happen. And I would get frustrated. I'd be like, what the heck? This is, this is so. I'm spiritually aware and connect way more like within my body and my emotions and just my brain. And I think after, and I'm sure you can relate to this being a mom, like, after I became mom, I started like getting just so much more of my intuition and empowerment and just strength within myself. And I started tapping into more of like who I was spiritually and just more so on an emotional level. And I realized like when I read affirmations now and I write things down and I speak things out or say things in my mind, I really hear them and I really connect with them. And I've noticed what a difference it's made in for me internally as well as externally. Absolutely. And it is really that emotive link to, um, you know, that's energy. And that, that is at our smallest molecular level. We are atomic. We're atoms. We're energy. And so since we are energy and since we are energy animating these physical structures, these physical bodies, um, you know, if we can switch our focus into the energetic perspective we have much more of an influence over the physical structure. And that's really what I try to impart upon people when we're talking about health or when we're talking about making actually any change. But for you know the purposes of this discussion, even protecting yourself and your immune system as you're going out there and as you're trying to decide what you know media and propaganda to listen to or not listen to, the number one thing that you can do is sort of feel that healthy surging immune system within yourself. You can feel that protective 
mechanism of your body engaging. And so as a mindfulness exercise, that's also what I like to share with my clients because we are living in this sort of gray area um, in terms of, you know, viruses and immunity and, uh, you know, what's safe and what isn't the number one thing that you can do is really begin a conversation with your body. And one of the exercises I love to do myself is before I fall asleep at night, I sort of go within myself. And if you remember the show, The Magic School Bus, you'll appreciate this when Miss Frizzle sort of loads the kids on the school bus and they journey down to the spleen or they journey down to the gallbladder or wherever. And so I sort of voyage throughout my body and I imagine what it looks like. And if there's any area that I feel immune weakness or that there's you know, muscle strain, I sort of take a moment and focus on that. And then I literally just rewrite what I want that to look like. Okay, so my knees kind of bothering me. I was a soccer player for a long time in uh, high school and college. And so now if I get it in me to go out for a run, I usually pay the price later on. And so I'll go in and I'll look at the cartilage in my leg and in my knee, and I'll just sort of imagine that built up in the way that I want it to. And that works for your physical body. That also works for a number one step of recreating your life. So if you want to get a new job, if you want to move somewhere else, if you want to recreate your life after COVID or after, heck, anything, a divorce, um, whatever, that is the number one step is to visualize it and then connect with the feeling. How is your life? How do you want your life to feel? Not just what you want in your bank account, not just what, who, you know, who you want in your bed, but how do you want your life to feel every day as you wear it? And again, it's that emotive sort of supercharge that really will engage some strong events and changing of the tides in your life. As I'm sure you've seen, you know, talking about becoming a mom and, and just how much shifts within you. And I think that motherhood for women can be one of the most profound um, spiritual experiences that there is because you are becoming acquainted with an aspect of not just your body as you know up until that point, but a reflection of who you are that you give birth to. And it's, it's just this really momentous moment in a woman's life where I think you know, if, if we can sort of neutralize or get rid of any stigmas or any preconceived notions, if, you know, there's any mom issues you're bringing into it or whatever, um, it can be the biggest teacher about yourself. It's so true. And I definitely have seen that as a new mom, like now too, I have been definitely getting more connected with my spiritual side. And I agree, like there's such a, it's almost like a rebirth. There's such a change in yourself, in my opinion, for myself, like I've seen and how much like I've grown and what my girls teach me and how, you know, I react differently and I do things differently because of them. And I think back to like when I didn't have them and it was, you know, just myself and my husband. And I'm like, wow, I, I looked at things just so differently. I looked at things so much more stressful. I stressed over smaller things that really just didn't matter or I got really worked up over things that I thought were a big deal that really weren't a big deal and of course I know it's a part of learning and everything but it's just wild when I think about how much more I'm like you said in my body and in my emotion than I am in my mind and I used to always be just in my mind 
And it, and it really is that it's this, um, you know, explanation, it's sort of this explanation of what your soul looks like when you become a mother, because then all of a sudden you have this living, breathing thing that's walking around outside of you. And one of my favorite quotes about motherhood um, is that the epitome of motherhood is that you have essentially your heart but it's walking around and having its own experiences mm, and you're observing that. that. Yeah. And so, you know, that of course ebbs and flows, but, but with anything, it just is an invitation to know ourselves better. And really that's why we're here is to have the most intimate conversations with ourselves because of course the world isn't happening to us. It's a reflection of internal events. And it's, it's about our perception of the world, which is the key component. And so what I challenge all listeners uh, right now and all of my clients and everyone at home is to challenge your own perception of how you want to move forward from this. We can't change that there's been a pandemic. We can't change that people have unfortunately died and, and people have suffered massively because of this, but we cannot change that right now. Outside of the measures that we can take for safety and sanitation, we can't change the past events. So what do you want your perception of it to be? And even though it's far from resolved, I would invite everyone to have that conversation with themselves because that will literally change the next six months, the next year, the next five years of your life is how you choose to frame your perception around around the coronavirus and around whatever um, events have happened in your life due to it. Yeah. So, I mean, it's, it's so true. And it's like, if you can create something positive, like you said, out of this versus just, oh gosh, this is such a hard time. When is it going to be over and actually move forward with through it and figure out how to make things even better in your own life. That's where I think, even for me personally, like I've seen a shift happen. And instead of being so like, oh my gosh, like when am I going to get my big schedule back? Am I going to be doing this again? Am I doing that again? Like letting go of that and saying, okay, you know what? Like that may just not be my future right now. And so I need to start to think about other things that I do enjoy or things I do want to work on creatively versus just sitting stuck. And I think a lot of people right now really do feel stuck. And I guess my question to you would be, you know, I love that you're challenging and asking that question, but I guess to take it further and deeper, what do you do, especially right now, if you feel stuck? Like what, what, what would you say to your clients? Well, I always begin my clients with one step and that is to label. So if you feel like you have, and typically stuck isn't an emotion or a feeling that, that just occurs by itself. You feel stuck, you feel frustrated. It's usually, you know, hanging out with like resentment or maybe a little bit of anger or sadness, but there's always a coupling. So it's never just one emotion. It is again, sort of the interface of all of these different emotions that we have surfacing. So the number one step is to identify, is to not dismiss it as I shouldn't feel stuck, I shouldn't feel frustrated. I, Because all of those preconceived notions and all of those pretenses that we put upon ourselves only continue to beat the drum of what is. And I really encourage people to move as quickly as you can away from the what isness. So we want to move into the where are we going with this? Because by the time that we're experiencing something or, you know, something shows up in our life, this is old news. So we can talk about what is and continue to beat that drum and continue to perpetuate that. And we will get more of what is 
or we can relabel it into what we actually want to feel. So identifying emotions. So, okay, I'm feeling stuck. What does stuck break down to? I feel, you know, frustrated. Okay. I feel unappreciated in my relationship. I feel overlooked in my job and we're getting closer and closer and closer until finally it boils down to, okay, really my stuck is anger. I'm angry at, okay, I think it's this person and this person and this person, but it's always and only ever about how you feel about yourself in any given situation. So, okay, so then I'm really angry at myself. And when we boil it down to that smallest common denominator, that's the sweet spot. Because then when we look at it on paper and we do these breaking down exercises, um, one-on-one, my clients and I, we can move forward into, oh, well, this is so silly. Why am I mad at myself? Because I took a job a year ago that was going to be closed by a pandemic. Well, that's silly. Nobody could have known that that's what was going to happen. So we can really decomplexify. I don't know if that's a word, but I just made it one. <laughs> um, all of these scenarios and situations because, you know, the the word is overwhelmed. The word is complex. The word is chaotic right now in our world. So at this time, number one thing you could do is simplify. And that doesn't mean that your emotions aren't deep and that they aren't solid and that they aren't real. It just means you need to break that down into what is, if you can give it, give me one word, give me one emotion. Um, you know, and, and one of the quickest exercises is asking yourself, is what I'm feeling and experiencing and doing, is this coming from a place of love or is this coming from a place of fear? Because that is really it. Every single human emotion can be broken down into those two um, origins. And so when you simplify it like that, it becomes really easy. Okay, how do you want to move forward? I want to move forward in love. Not very many people say that they want to move forward in fear. They might say, I don't want to do this because of XYZ reason, fear. I don't want to see this person because they hurt me in the past, fear. But again, when you simplify it down and you say, okay, base level, want to move forward in fear or love, everyone's going to choose love or they should want to choose love. So we got to break it down to those two components. And then from there, we have to start looking at what are your daily habits? So again, how many times throughout the day are you beating the drum of complaining? Are you beating the drum of not enoughness? Are you again, perpetuating that which you are trying to get away from. So one exercise that I love to do first thing in the morning is every time I can, and my children have gotten to this habit of, you know, kind of beating me to waking up in the morning. And so typically there's like some, you know, coffee being made or rustling of pans. I really want to run downstairs and check out. But when I have the time, um, I really like to take about 10 seconds and just feel gratitude not for anything in particular, certainly not for something I, you know, prophesize I'm going to encounter in my day, but for this moment. So I'll say, this bed is really great. I have the best bed in the world. I have the most comfortable pillow in the world. This bed is so warm. It feels so nice to be as relaxed as I am right now. And really just pulling from and reaching for things that are A, going to start my day off on a positive energetic spin, but also beginning my day with gratitude. There's so much scientific evidence that proves that when we rewire our brains with gratitude, our immune system improves, our social and cultural relationships improve, our digestion even improves, and our blood pressure lowers. The list goes on and on, but there's so many benefits to rewiring that 
gratitude mechanism in your, in your brain. So that is something you can do tomorrow morning or whenever, and it's really immediately available to you. Um, and it can, it can literally make the difference between starting your day off on kind of a thought process or a narrative that if you allow the day to take you and I respond to, oh my gosh, the dog puked on the carpet when I wake up and the phone's ringing off the hook and I feel chaotic and my neck hurts, then that's typically the vibration I'm going to stay in for the rest of the day. But I can change that. And even though those things might happen and, you know, the the phone might be going crazy and the dog's still puking, uh, it's going to be less of a hit to me as I maneuver through my day. And that is the power of spiritual immunity, spiritual strength, and also just kind of the, the power of gratitude. Yeah, I love that you said that about gratitude because I think people don't necessarily tap into that as much. I'm definitely guilty um, of not tapping into that as much as I should. And I've been really trying to be super aware of that. Um depression and one of the things that really helped me when I was coming out of it was that my therapist told me to journal and to you know do visualizations and to be writing a gratitude journal and all of these things and reading them back even now like I'll stumble upon it and flip back pages and read what I was grateful for and I'll go oh wow like yeah that was beautiful or oh yeah I remember how that made me feel and you're right it like really does do this like connection within you where you just tap in to such a strong emotion where you're like oh yeah like things may be shitty right now but like think about all the wonderful things that are going on and you know one thing that I like to remind people is that you have 100% track record of surviving your worst days and worst experiences so you're doing great you're doing great so as stuck as you might feel you you have this really powerful, really strong essence within you that I believe in. I believe in it and I don't even need to know you just because I know that it's a thing and I know that that is the most powerful calling that we have as human beings is to keep going, to keep persisting. And ultimately, when we have accomplished that, to reach for something better. And that's really the concept of what we try to accomplish with Live Better is taking people that are in whatever space in their life, good, bad, in between, and allowing them to, first of all, identify and see, and then reach for whatever that just next level version of their life might be, whether that's fitness or diet or, or better relationships or attracting relationship or finances. It doesn't matter because everything is interconnected into everything else, but the concept and the method and the movement is to be reaching for that next moment of gratitude, reaching for that next moment of sweetness of and knowing and believing that that is possible and that that's available. So having gratitude for things that are here, things that have happened, and then also eliciting that from the rest of your life. And when your expectation is that every moment is icing on the cake and that every experience is a lesson and there's something you can gain from it, guess what shows up in your life are the things that you expect. Yeah. So, so beautifully said. Well, and I know also part of your whole, you know, going to intention and really um, preaching that and teaching that to your clients and all those that listen to you. And again, like you said, with 
you know, living better with, you know, Dr. Liv and all that. But I know part of it is also that intuitive development and helping with that intention of how that shows up and what that looks like. What would you say to someone that maybe just doesn't know how to look at their own intuition or just doesn't even think that they have an intuition? Well, everyone has an intuition. So every single person um, has this sort of inner dialect that says, yes, no, I like this, I don't like that. And on some microcosmic scale, that is an aspect of our higher self, which is our intuition. Intuition is energy and it flows through every single one of us. Now you can bury that. You can put a ton of boulders over it. Um, you can act like it doesn't exist. You can shame yourself. You can feel weird or crazy or even scared of it. But it doesn't change the fact that like everything else, it's always a constant source of energy that is flowing through us and to us. For those of us that want to lean into that, um, and every single person that I've ever worked with, ever talked to, ever read about that said, you know what, I wish I was less intuitive. It doesn't happen because once people really connect with that aspect of themselves and they learn trust and they learn how to stand in their own power and really honor themselves, it's just really difficult to go back to the way of life before that. So one of the first steps is to know that you are worthy. You can't not have intuition. So end of discussion, you have it. Now the question is, what do you want to do with it? And I've had a million and one different discussions with people saying, well, you know, Olivia, I, I think I might have a little intuition, but I don't, I don't really think everyone has it. The next step is to understand that this is a gift and to honor yourself because what I typically hear from people after that first comment is that they get messages or they feel like they have a knowing, but they don't trust it because they don't value their own inner wisdom. Now, if you have an impulse or if you have a thought or a dream or an insight, I'm not asking you to immediately act on it, especially as you're just starting to uncover your intuition, but write it down because everything that occurs to us isn't just stimulus. There is a reason that you zone out while you're driving and that thoughts occur to you or when you're doing a mindless task, task like the dishes. It's because you are being open to receive. So write it down, document it, put it in a drawer. It doesn't have to make sense. You're not trying to solve the mystery of the great pyramids with the initial <laughs> information that comes forward. It just doesn't have to be that. It can be, oh, I think my niece would like a pink unicorn for her birthday. And you can just have that thought and write it down and set it aside and bring it up later in conversation and ask her. Um, but to, to honor yourself enough to at least record it and document it. The third step is to share it with others. And, you know, way, way back when I used to do in-person intuitive development classes, I used to have my students sit in front of each other, sort of knees to knees, and I would make them read each other. And nine times out of 10, they were so nervous. And they said, I can't do this. I can't do this. And I would have them close their eyes and hold hands. And I would say, just start with a color. Just start with the color that you see. Don't judge it. I don't want you to think about it. I want you to say the first thing that comes to mind. So they would say blue. And then I would continue the conversation. Typically it was, okay, tell me an emotion. Doesn't have to be, you know, complex. Don't think about it. When we remove our brains from the equation, it's like this rabbit hole that we can access more and more and more and more. And that's what I do in my work is that I just 
deep dive. And now I'm sure I probably have a built-in slide to the Alice in Wonderland rabbit hole where I'm just like, okay, buckle up. Here we go. I have, and, and my clients that have been with me forever know that I will have full disclosure and I'll say, I have no idea where this is going to go, but we're going to find out. And those are the most transformational sessions, not just for them, but for me as well. So honoring it, documenting it, trusting it, and then sharing it. And the more that you, you know, are on your morning walk and you're talking with your girlfriend about, gosh, you know, I had this dream. You speak it into life. You reanimate it with energy. And from there, she will probably say, oh my gosh, well, I heard that the turtle in your dream probably represents overburdening yourself. There's always a reciprocity and a reason why we are receiving this information. So honor the reason invite the reason and then share the reason. And you will continue to get more and more of that. Now, everybody's different intuitively. Some people are empathic, some people are clear audience, some people are just generally intuitive, but everyone is receiving some type of information to some degree at some point in their life. That's really good advice. And I love how you broke it down. So just kind of I don't want to say realistically, but I guess just kind of more tangible and basic um, for those that may just not be in that space yet, um, you know, and want help with it. But at the same time, also want to know like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like I, I, I think I have an intuition, but then I really maybe don't know what I'm doing with it. Like the way you explained it, it's really kind of like in the beginning, just being open to it and not overthinking it, just allowing it to come in. And it, it's funny that you say it that way because I've had friends of mine say to me like, oh, you know, I feel like you've become so intuitive and you really tap into your own intuition and you've become so good about it. How'd you do that? And I love how you broke that down. I'll have to share that because I think about myself and I think for me, again, I think it kind of really just came with motherhood. Of course, it took time and involvement and growth, but it just kind of, for me, I started kind of just being open to it. And I don't think I really sat there and tried to figure out like, what is this? It was just there. And I maybe in the past just kind of ignored it, I guess, um, even though I knew it was there and maybe I just didn't know how to process it. Um, but I guess with what you're saying of how, you know, it's always there, it's just a matter of kind of shutting off the mind. Would you say a lot of your practice is kind of teaching like shut off the brain and when allow the emotions to play out or like how would you describe how you kind of do that for your clients because like how you just kind of walks through that simple practice of just hey you know blue and this of you know feelings you know it, it sounds kind of like so beyond simple but obviously it works for what you do yeah. So, you know, in the same way that natural medicine, which has gotten the label alternative medicine, was really the original medicine. Um, it's the medicine of nature. It's where we began. There were no, you know, laboratories and pharmacies, you know, sort of around. We couldn't just jot down to, you know, the corner and pick up prescriptions when we were still living in caves. So we had to learn to adapt and we had to learn about the symbiosis with everything around us. So natural medicine, I consider symbiosis with the external world. Intuition, I consider symbiosis with the internal world. And these are two parts of your life that you want to get really well acquainted with and you really want to learn to 
specify, identify, and really lean into because that is going to change your entire life experience. I promise you. Um, but you know, the thing that I have learned, I will say after all of the years that I've been working with clients, I mean, since, since a really young age, um, is just trust. And, and I have learned that the less sense a message makes to me as a rule of thumb, the more sense it's going to make to that person. Um, and one story that, that was very early on in my career, I remember that um, someone had hired me to go in and do a, a group session. There was a group of people um, at this surprise party for this woman who was turning 100, which wow. as a result, I, don't, I don't know that surprise parties and, you know, 100th birthday have always been, you know, sort of in tandem. But um, I was hired, I showed up um, and, you know, I did sessions with clients. And then finally, it was my my turn to sit with this woman who had just turned 100. And I thought, gosh, you know, that's like one of those one moments in my career where I thought, I, I don't even know how to address this, you know, because we, we just generationally, the things I'm a very... Um, you know, I might, I might drop a few F-bombs. I, I'm going <laughs> to just give it, I'm just going to give it to you straight black and white. Um, but I remember sort of getting nervous. Um, and I said to her, I have a message to share with you. I think it's about your husband and she's no affect, no response. And, um, <laughs> I asked my guys, I said, give me one thing. There's no way that anyone else beside her would know. And I got the message loud and clear. I just didn't know how to phrase it. And I said, so he had a nickname and she's, you know, again, straight face. And she said, yes, yes, he did. And I knew what I had to say. And I knew who was sitting in front of me. And I said, well, I don't know how to tell you this, but he's saying because he was the father of your 12 children that his nickname in your family was sperm donor. <laughs> and I literally cringed after I said it because I'm like, am I going to get thrown out of this house? Am I? And she bursts out in elation and in tears and in just this, this response of knowing that for 1000% there's life after death. This isn't it. And I was talking to her husband and she said, yes, yes, that's what we all called him. We didn't even call him dad. We didn't even call him husband. We called him sperm donor. And I thought, holy shit, I can't, so I can't believe that that just happened. But I really had to take my logistical brain out of it because Olivia that lives a life and has some semblance of manners would not have said that to this woman, but spirit was very distinctly asking me to phrase it in just that way. So I always share that anecdote because that's one experience that very freshly stands out in my mind of you just got to take your brain out of the equation. The less sense it makes to you when you're receiving intuitive messages, the more sense it's going to make either down the road or to someone else. I love that. And that is such a funny example, like how, hilarious for a, like a nickname. <laughs> it was definitely uh, one in a million. And, um, and it's still, you know, it was, it was that impressive enough in my mind that it still sticks with me. Oh yeah. I bet. I mean, that's something like you said, like it'll probably never happen again. So it's going to stick with you until, you know, the end of time. Like that's just, <laughs> I mean, that's, it's pretty hilarious. Well, <laughs> I mean, and would you say since you were sharing that story, like, Dr. Liv, like, I know, like, obviously, like, you know, you kind of wear um, so many hats and so many 
different parts of your work kind of go hand in hand. But would you say that there's um, a, a, I don't want to say psychic, but some kind of like a spiritual um, guide about you that also ties into so much of your expertise and your work in like holistic health and, you know, the, the holistic beauty and the empowerment and the base living and all the things that you're kind of all about? Like, do you think that it starts from the fact that you are spiritually connected like that? Thousand percent. And so part of what works in conjunction is that I, I meet someone and I just know I can, it's sort of a human MRI machine where I can just identify and see the areas of their body, even if they're not in front of me, um, the vibration of their voice, I can see the areas of their body that either are the issue or that may be problematic at some point. What has happened as a result of that is that I've also been able to sort of zoom in on what are the therapies that are going to be in the future that are necessary in order to circumvent this or what can we do now? Um, and that's how I work with, um, you know, clients on a one-on-one basis, but it is, it is something that I consider intuitive. I hate the word psychic just because, um, if I had a dime for every time that I've met someone and their first response was, you do not look the way that I thought you would. <laughs> I don't know if they thought that I was going to show up with like, you know, a head wrap and like a crystal ball, but it's, I'm, I'm just very normal. I'm just, I'm just not that. Um, and you know, I, I consider myself intuitive first and foremost, because that's my truth. And that's, that's how I live my life. That's everything. Um, and then I consider myself a holistic guru secondary, but my work as a holistic guru isn't from what I read and from what I study. A part of it is because, because like any healer, I want to keep myself current, but a great deal of it is what I see five years in the future, 10 years in the future, and bringing that back to my clients and really helping them sort of outstep things because the most powerful form of medicine that you can give to yourself is preventative to correct a problem before it begins. Oh, it's so, it's so interesting. So I don't know if I'm, if I'm allowed to ask you, but like just talking to me here, where obviously we're not visual and we're just having a conversation. Like, can you feel me as well, just as you would if you were sitting with a client? Absolutely. Yeah. So it's just, um, it really just has to do with the frequency and the sound of your voice. Um, so, you know, the, the gatekeeper is sort of, just talking to people normally doesn't necessarily do it. I have to want to, I have to ask for, you know, um, the information, but, but if you're asking me, um, I'm happy to share. So one of the things that's showing up for you is I feel like I want to talk about the left side. I don't know if you had some issue with lymphatic drainage, um, maybe in like between the neck and, and the jaw. Um, but it actually feels like there may have been a blocked salivary gland at some point for you. So this may have been affecting lymphatic drainage. One of the easiest tricks that I recommend for that. And I don't share this with a lot of people because it's very, uh, the antithesis of what I do, but get a couple sour patch kids in there and suck on them. The citric acid will, will engage overproduction of, of that and should get things moving nicely. Um, but that's one area that's sort of lighting up for you again, that's like mild on the milder end, um, of the spectrum. 
Um, but interestingly enough, what I'm hearing is scar revision. So I don't know. Um, did you have like an issue with either a scar healing? I d- did you have your children naturally? If you don't mind my asking. Oh yeah, no, you're totally cool to ask. Um, so my first daughter, um, Amelia was born via C-section and my second daughter who I had in uh, this past May, Arlie was born via vaginal. I had a VBAC. Okay. Wow. You are a legend. Oh, I, I, ha- I had three C-sections and I can tell you that by the second one, I was like, no, I, there's not a part of me that feels like I need to go through the labor process again um, because I was induced with my first. Um, so I, I understand that the the pain of the C-section and, and vaginal as well. It's just, that's, that's incredible. Um, so I don't know if on your original C-section scar, you've asked for a scar revision or if that still is tender, but I'm actually getting that the fascia of your abdomen, um, you should focus on reconnecting the fascia more. And you can do that through, I don't know, things like Pilates. You can also do that through certain types of massage and acupuncture. Um, but I feel like that's the real issue because I'm looking at the scar and it looks like there, it's not fully recovered. Um, and it may be healed. It may have been fine, but I think initially, and even now there's, there's a little bit of nerve damage is what I'm picking up. Um, and maybe even sound therapy on that scar would be great because I feel like the body really wants to heal that. Um, but it just needs a little bit of extra help. So those are just a few. I love that. That is so cool. Yeah. Well, and it's so, it's so interesting. You say that about my scar because so, you know, I had the C-section and then, um, you know, luckily I was very grateful that I was able to have a VBAC with Arlie and, you know, they checked my, you know, my scar, obviously the whole time to make sure that I was a candidate for a VBAC. So, you know, I didn't tear and all those things, you know, that you have to obviously be careful of and everything was fine. And they checked it again after I had her, you know, and, um, you know, made sure everything looked good and everything. But it's interesting you say that because I've been like, you know, of course, like any woman, like looking at my body and, you know, like going like, okay, like, I know I'm only three months out, but like, what am I working on? And like, you know, is this part going to go back down? What's this? What's that? Because of my C-section, as you know, you know, my C-section is a little bit of different recovery. And so the first time with Amelia, it was like, I was very puffed up there in that C-section area. It was really hard for me to like, even look at my body and see how puffed up it was there and feel like it just wasn't ever going to go down. And it took so long to even kind of go down. And then finally, kind of like after, you know, many exercises and all kinds of different things, it finally started to subside a little, but it's never really gone fully uh, down, I guess I would say. And I've, I've also had um, diastasis uh, recti mm-hmm. for my C-section. And so, and I'm sure obviously, you know, all about that. Um, and so for anyone that doesn't, it's basically a separation of the abs and it can be modern to severe. And for me, it's like kind of in the middle. And I've noticed like that my stomach, even after having Arlie, like it's definitely not as severe as it was with Amelia, but it still puffs out a little bit and it is a little bit more by the scar. And so you saying that makes me wonder like, oh, you know, maybe there is something to that, that I should um, look into further. And also it's interesting you bring that up because I've been thinking in my mind, like what little simple exercises can I do now that I'm starting to feel good and have more energy, but still obviously not have that much time at all to be able to do anything with these two littles. And so I've been trying to think 
like, okay, what can I do? So you just saying that about Pilates or finding something simple to help that it was just such a weird, I got like such a weird goosebump feelings. I literally have been thinking about this in my head for the last few weeks. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of how it works. I mean, it's all interconnected. Um, but I would absolutely suggest Pilates. Um, I would also do some pelvic floor work, um, you know, and, and, and really fortify yourself in that way. But I would recommend cupping. I'm a huge, I have a phenomenal, um, woman that does cupping with me and has been transformational in restoring my fascia. Raj, if you're listening, I love you. Um, and, and forever (laughs) in your debt. Um, but, but it's, it's essentially just reconnecting that fashion, those ligaments. And, um, I, I really would recommend that for you. I, because I feel like, are you going to have a third (laughs) <laughs> you're so funny I mean I've only you know Arlie's only been here she turned three months yesterday um but okay I don't know what's going on this, this, this full moon maybe the fact that you asked that question I don't know but um, it's bananas yeah <laughs> but um so to go back to your question when you said are you thinking of having a third and then I lost you um, it's funny you say that because obviously Arlie only turned three months yesterday, um, you know, um, at the end of August. But, um, you know, we were, my husband and I were chatting, uh, you know, just about life and everything in general. And I said to him, something uh, inside of me just says, like, I'm not done. I'm not, I'm not done, like, being pregnant. I'm not done um, with the, you know, baby phase yet. Like, in the beginning, it was like, I don't know, maybe we'll just have two and be done. And then it's wild how now I'm like, oh, but, you know maybe a third wouldn't be like so bad and you know it it might be fun to have one more and so it just cracks me up that you asked me that because it's something that's like been even coming in my dreams lately like where I'll see us not living here and I'll see us strolling around and we're strolling another baby but we have the girls with us so it's like very obvious in my dream that there's a third baby and it's just it's so interesting that you just said that (laughs) well that's how spirit works you know and so that's what I mean is that a great deal of what I do is is you know my knowledge my human knowledge but there's a greater higher influence and um you know this is like I said in the beginning it's a wild ride and clearly that's been indicative this entire conversation Um, but it's (laughs) But, but no, I really would consider that specifically if you're planning on having a third. Um, and I, I do, I kind of feel three for you. Um, wow. but you know, so <laughs> I won't, I, I, I will leave it up to you. I don't want to explain the birds and the bees on, on how you have a choice, <laughs> you know, but, but, um, you know, I think that's ultimately up to you guys, uh, whatever your choice is, um, yes or no, but, um, but definitely there's a potential for a third and, um, and I love it. It feels really good. I, I love that. And I love it. And I, I love to like, hear that from you. It's just like, since the way you're connected and everything, it just cracks me up. Because even when I was with my aunt the other day, and I was sitting with her, and we were chatting, and she's like, Oh, you know, you're such a good mom to those girls. And this and that. I said, Well, they teach me and I feel like I learn from them every day. And I'm just very aware of, I guess, being a mom. And I'm very mindful of everything, which I feel like, when I was younger and in my life, I feel like I just wasn't mindful of things. And now because I am a mom, it's like forced me to be so present and forced me to be so aware. But then at the same time, put me in this beautiful space where I'm like, I'm enjoying it. And even though it's exhausting and yeah. overwhelming, like I'm just learning and learning and taking so much in and enjoying the beauty and all of it. And I think that's why I'm like, you know, oh, well, maybe I wouldn't. She said that to me. She's like, oh, you think you'll have one more? And I, I just kind of smirked at her. And she's like, what do you think? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, you know, part of me feels like 
it's crazy to say right now that this little one in my arms, like, yeah, I have a third, but there's such a huge part of me that says like, it's not that crazy. Like, yeah, I, I think I might, you know? So it's, it's yeah. just, it's so, it's so um, beautiful and wild to hear you uh, say that. Um, I'll <laughs> definitely look into cupping. I've never done that. I've heard about it before and I've been told about it before, but I've never ever experienced it. So I'll have to check it out and see um, what I can learn about that. I'm potentially doing that for myself and I love Pilates. So I'll have to, um, book into like some Pilates and pelvic floor stuff. I was doing a little bit of pelvic floor when I first had Arlie and my postpartum doula was having me do some pelvic floor exercises um, for the first like six to eight weeks. And then I was doing it, of course, on and off. And now I've been mad about getting back to it. So I have to, it's a good reminder that I need to uh, revisit those uh, exercises, but I'll have to look into a couple of things. But I'm curious when you were saying about the left side, with the sour patch that I, I have no clue what that's about or like how you're translating that. So is there anything you could explain with that or what that is exactly? Yeah. So we all have, of course, lymphatic um, points of drainage and it feels um, that can, in, in your specific case, it feels like either there's a blocked salivary gland. So, you know, that, that produce and emit saliva into our mouth. I um, mean, that sometimes can be a tooth issue. Um, it can, it can be muscular sometimes where there's a sort of, you know, tense muscles and that just sort of blocks the, the flow of all of the lymphatic drainage. And it feels like in your circumstance, it's really, really mild. So it may be either, you know, a tooth, the filling, something like that. Um, or even just, you know, kind of a tense neck, but, um, it feels like it's showing up really, really mildly, but you might just consider doing, you know, a heating pad or some light massage, something like that, just to kind of, you know, get everything flowing. Um, on the the left side of me, basically. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. No. And it's funny you said that too, because I just did, um, my first lymphatic drainage massage like a week ago. Um, and I wonder if maybe there's something coming through um, from that because I've never done that before. And I just did that. And it was such a nice uh, healing experience. And I just felt like so much was draining from me. And I felt so good. And even now, like a week later, I still feel like my body's draining and it feels so good. Yeah, it's a really powerful tool. Um, I would suggest anybody do it specifically. Yeah, postpartum, you know, you have a lot of hormones that are kind of hanging out and, and, you know, our lymphatic system needs to be able to break them down. And um, this, this can be a really great tool. Yeah, I know. That's great. I love that. That's amazing, by the way, that like, I, I've read that about you and like all your work, but that's amazing that not only do you tap in so much, you know, emotionally and in the intention, but really also by like just the voice and, and, and speaking to the person and feeling it. And there's so much of that spiritual work that ties into everything you're doing. And it's really amazing. Well, thank you. It's, you know, as I said, it's a wild ride, it's a wild life, but I'm so grateful to be living it. Um, and, and, you know, the, the vibration of someone's voice is really specific, you know, and there's different octaves and there's different frequencies and, um, and that just, you know, however it works, I'm still kind of learning myself is the way that I can loop in and access that information. I love that. Oh, that's so incredible. Well, I, I appreciate so much of your time today and sharing so much with all of us. Can you tell us, of course, where we can find you, we can follow you. And also if they maybe want to try to, you know, have a session with you or, you know, learn something about themselves, how they can tap into you that way. 
Sure. So um, my website is uh, www.oliviaaudrey.com. Um, and my Instagram is the real Olivia Audrey. You can find me on Facebook at Olivia Audrey Dr. Liv. Um, and it has all of my contact info there to get a hold of me and my team and, um, and schedule a one-on-one um, or, or to collaborate in some way, or, you know, um, just kind of, you know, whatever, whatever you feel called to do or whatever you feel like your soul responds to. And that's part of what I really love about my work is no days ever the same, no clients ever the same. I will never have the issue of, of monotony because as you've seen in one, in one singular conversation, so much can happen when I am on the phone with someone. I love it. It's amazing. I think it's so great that you, you know, not, not only have that gift, but you share it and how much taps into so many parts of your work. And it's just, it, it's so cool. So thank you so much for sharing that and even sharing, um, you know, some of my own stuff. It, it's intrigued me for sure. So thank you. And um, well, thank you for being on until next time, guys. Cheers. Bye. Thank you so much. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Everything with Allie Levine. If you loved this episode, please leave a review, screenshot this episode, tell a friend, tag us on social media, subscribe, tune in weekly for new episodes, and to continuously be uplifted, empowered, and inspired.